Praise the Lord. We could just have a singing this morning. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Thanks for standing and worshiping. <laughs> you can be seated. If you have your Bible, get it close. And we're going to be talking about living with discernment in the end times. And uh, I realize that I'm preaching and teaching to uh, a group of people today who believe that Jesus is coming back. And I want to talk about that for a moment because it's important to have discernment and recognize what's happening all around us. And uh, so I want to pick up on a few things. We, we touched on this about three weeks ago, and we talked about how the overwhelming spirit of the end times is the spirit of the Antichrist, which is a spirit of deception. And if you have any awareness at all of the world that we live in and our surroundings, you realize that we are living in an age of deception. We're a culture that's comfortable with lies. We're comfortable with uh, being lied to. Now, I know that you aren't. I hope that you aren't. Uh, but we do live in a culture that is very comfortable with being lied to. And uh, it, we just expect it. It's the spirit of the age. And that's one of the great signs of the end times. Now, I want to take you to the next slide. And I want to talk to you about three scriptural assurances of a pre-tribulation rapture. And, uh, and I'm going to do this very quickly because this isn't my, my overall theme today. What I really want to do is I want to give you 10 undeniable signs that Jesus is coming back very soon or that he's going to rapture his church very soon. I often have people say to me, uh, Ryan, the word rapture is not in the Bible. And in a sense, they're right. The word rapture, that, that English word that we use or that English transliteration of a Greek and Latin word is not in the Bible. Uh, the word rapture is from the Latin rapturo, which is a translation of the Greek verb that means to be caught up, which is found in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 17. How many know the Bible says that we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air? And so when we say the word rapture, uh, we, we could say, if it made people more comfortable, we could say the, the catching up of the church or uh, the church is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. However you want to say it, uh, really the rapture is, is, a, is a proper English translation of the word meaning to be caught up. We're going to be lifted out of this world. How many know we're going to be lifted out of this world and we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And that's a promise for the church. Now, uh, I want to talk just a moment about why I believe that the church will not go through the seven-year period of great tribulation, what the Bible calls great tribulation. And, and the reason that I want to talk about that just very, very briefly is because it, it, it's important to understand where we are in Bible prophecy so that we can understand the signs of the times. Now, having said that, I realize that there are people who believe that, uh, that we'll, the church will be caught up uh, what some people call mid-tribulation or halfway through the tribulation. I understand that. There's also a lot of people who believe that uh, the church will be caught up what we sometimes call post-tribulation or after the tribulation. In other words, the church will go all the way through the great tribulation and be caught up at the end of that. And there's some people who believe we're in the tribulation right now. 
And so there's a lot of swirling theory. The good thing about that is I, I think you can believe any of those things and be saved. Um, and honestly, if you'd like to go through the tribulation, that I, I can't understand that. But if you'd like to, be ready, okay? Just make sure you're prayed up and strong in your faith. But I don't believe that we're going to go through the great tribulation. Now, does that mean that we won't go through trials? Anyone ever had a trial in your life? We absolutely will go through trials. Uh, we will go through personal tribulations. Sometimes you might think you're in a great tribulation, but let me just tell you, you read the book of Revelations and you will realize that whatever we might be going through right now is not the great tribulation that is described in the book of Revelations. The great tribulation is going to be a terrible and bloody and awful time. And nobody should ever want to have to go through that. And and I don't believe that we will. Now, let me tell you why very quickly. Number one, uh, what I sometimes refer to as the restrainer. Look at your neighbor and say the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians 2 and 6. And now ye know what withholdeth. Everyone says withholdeth or restraineth. That he, the Antichrist, might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he, referring to the Holy Spirit, be taken out of the way. Look at your neighbor and say out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed. Everyone said the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. And so we see that right now the church is and the working of the Holy Spirit is restraining the Antichrist from being revealed. And the Bible makes it clear that once the, the church is raptured out of this world, that God's Spirit will no longer restrain the spirit of the Antichrist, and it'll be revealed and unleashed in the world. And so Paul made it clear. He's talking to the early church here, and he made it clear that you don't need to worry that you are that you're in the tribulation right now. Remember, the early church suffered a lot of persecution. And you better remember the Colosseums and the lions and all of the martyrs that were burned at the stake. It'd be completely understandable that the early church would look around at all of the things that were happening. And, and, and even Paul, who was uh, referred to as Saul at that time, uh, in the early, early church. And, of course, this is Paul talking here. But it was Paul who began as a persecutor of the Christians. How many remember that? He was out there holding the coat, and they were stoning them to death, and they were dragging them out of their houses and separating them from their families and persecuting them simply because they were Christians. I'm not talking about they didn't, uh, you know, they weren't letting them uh, drive the kind of car they wanted to drive. We're talking they were taking their lives from them. It was dangerous to be a Christian in the early days of the church, and yet the church grew by leaps and bounds. And so the early church would often look around and, and wonder, are we in the tribulation now? Is, this, is the Antichrist here? Uh, maybe, maybe this is it. And, and Paul was letting them know, no, 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 no. We are, the, we are not in the tribulation, not the great tribulation, because the Holy Spirit is restraining it. And after that's lifted, then the Antichrist will be revealed. Now, number two, I believe that we are going to be raptured before the great tribulation because the Bible clearly tells us that the church, everyone says the church, 
That's not this building. Point to yourself and say, we're the church. It's not this building, but we are the church. And the church is not appointed to wrath. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Revelations 3 and 10. And the third reason is that other doctrines have a built-in time frame, post-trib, uh, mid-trib, uh, preterism, which is a very dangerous and deceptive doctrine that you need to avoid, have a built-in time frame for knowing when the coming of the Lord will take place. But the Bible clearly tells us that no man knows the hour. Look at Matthew 24 and 44. Therefore be ye also ready. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. For in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Remember, the Bible teaches us that uh, there'll be 1,260 days from the moment the Antichrist sits in the temple and declares himself to be God. There'll be 1,260 days from that moment when uh, the Lord will come back and, uh, and then he'll, he'll set up the reign of a thousand years. So this is all important. Now, I wanted to say all of that to let us know that I believe that we're living in the end times. We're there right now, but we are not in the tribulation. But we need to be ready for the rapture. And not only that, I'm not content with just getting myself ready. A lot of Christians get content with just saying, well, I'm ready and that's what's important. That's not, that's not at all what God has called the church to do. God has called the church to help as many of our neighbors as we possibly can to be rapture ready. The church has a great commission. We have a mandate to go into all of the world and preach the gospel. And we need to help as many people as we possibly can be ready for the soon coming of the Lord Jesus where he will rapture his church out of this world. And let me just go on record as saying, if you are not a part of the body of Christ, you will not be rapture ready. You say, well, I can live for God. I don't need the church. No, no. Jesus bled for the church. He loves the church. And you will not be caught up with the bride if you're not a member of the bride. I'm not, I'm not talking about signing your name on a dotted line. I'm not talking about that kind of membership. I'm talking about the kind of membership that you're born into, born of the water and of the spirit, walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. And so we desperately need that. Now, let me take you to 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And let's just rotate. How about, how about I read the first verse, and you read the second verse, and we'll just go from there. So I'll begin. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. Could you read verse 2? For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Verse 4. Can you say, thank you, Jesus? Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the light nor of darkness. Let's read verse 6 together. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and 
Be sober. That's beautiful. So we need to be watching. We need to be aware of the times and the seasons. And we need to be having an understanding and an awareness about us of what is happening all around us. So I want to very quickly take you through uh, 10 signs, 10 undeniable signs uh, that Jesus is coming back very, very soon. I believe these are undeniable. I think you could add to this list. I, and uh, maybe some of them will seem less undeniable to you than they do to me. But I think it's important that we think about this for a moment. Number one is wars and rumors of wars. Matthew 24 and 6, Jesus said, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And one of the great signs of the end times is wars and rumors of wars. If you study history, it's fascinating. I, I, I've always found uh, World War II and World War I uh, fascinating to read about. Of course, they were tragic. I, I don't celebrate them. I do celebrate the fact that evil was pushed back. Aren't you glad we were able to push evil back and, and stop a murderous regime like Hitler? It's one of the reasons I, I so enjoyed Brother Raymond Pope talking about his experiences. And I'm, I'm thankful for our veterans who fought for freedom. It's, uh, it's just an encouraging and uplifting thing. And World War II especially, often uh, that generation is referred to as the great generation. And uh, I, I think that that's uh, a pretty apt description because people sacrificed everything to push back against evil, uh, worldwide evil that was literally trying to take control of the world. And many people at that time understandably thought, this is it. This is, this is the, uh, this is the uh, in time. The rapture is going to happen any minute now. And completely understandable. And uh, I would have thought that too had I been alive in those days. And uh, one of the things that I always find interesting is that they called it the war to end all wars. Anybody ever heard that expression? And we hear that a lot we, when, whenever we go to war. And uh, we may not realize it in America. Uh, one of the very difficult things about our society right now is that we've been in a pretty perpetual state of war for many decades now. Now, the average American doesn't think about it as often as they should because we're busy going to movies and ball games and we've got uh, we've got our young men out giving their lives, and we really don't think about it like we should. It's a, it's a different world. Uh, there's people right now uh, fighting in other lands, and it, we're very oblivious to it in America. But wars and skirmishes are happening all over the world, and uh, we really don't think about it on a regular basis. But I've, I've been hearing for my entire life, if we just fight this war... We won't have to fight any other wars. Or maybe if we fight this war, we'll put it in and we'll have peace in that region. Remember Iraq. The whole point was we're going to have peace in that region. And we have anything but peace in that region. Um, if you look at it right now, the world is in more, greater turmoil than perhaps it's ever been in. And by the way, who would have ever thought that it would have been the biblical dilemma uh, between the Arabs and the Jews that would create the kind of turmoil, the Muslim faith that rose up out of that situation with Abraham, 
Who would have ever thought that all of these thousands of years later, we would still be seeing the repercussions of something that happened in Bible times that God prophesied. And here we are, we see a medieval faith, really, a medieval faith that straps itself to modern warfare like bombs and grenades and blows up buildings and sacrifices themselves in the name of Allah. And we see that literally wreaking havoc upon the world all around us. Terrorism is one, is one of the, 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 the most prevalent things that you will read about in the news right now. Terrorism. And it's literally sweeping the world. We're not surprised. Anybody surprised when, when you get a little notification on your phone that says there's been a bombing in some faraway country? Anybody surprised? We don't even hardly blink an eye anymore because it's so common. Why? Wars and rumors of wars. All I've been reading about in, uh, in my news feed over the past six months is, is the speculation of when will France, after all of these terrorist attacks that they've endured, how many ha- have noticed that France has had an overwhelming amount of bombings and shootings Three of the of the most uh, deadly terrorist attacks in world history have happened in France or right around France just in the past year and a half. France has a real problem, and yet they're not really at war. They're just kind of doing the best they can to maintain. But the world is holding their breath saying, when will France grow tired of all of this and just say, we're going to go to battle. We're going to stomp this out once and for all. People say the same thing about Turkey. We just had a huge coup in Turkey that had the world holding its breath. And now we're wondering if maybe Russia, if someone might poke the bear just right and Russia could set World War III in motion. You say, that's all crazy preaching, Brother Ryan. No, no. I'm talking about mainstream news feeds that are asking these kind of questions. What is it? It's a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Wars and rumors of wars. We're not to be terrified. I'm not trying to make you afraid because I, I truly believe that everyone in this room loves the Lord and is doing their best to be rapture ready. But if you're not, you need to understand that this thing is wrapping up. The rapture is about to happen and we're seeing more and more signs of the times. And you need to live with discernment in the end times. You need to be discerning of the spirit of the age. And if you cannot recognize the spirit of Antichrist, why do you think there's all this anti-Christian sentiment in the United States of America? Um, America, which was a nation founded on the word of God. A nation blessed by God. And yet it's the United States that has tremendous anti-Christian sentiment right now. Pushing prayer out of schools and forcing beliefs on on churches and pastors and pushing religious groups and Christian groups to the sidelines while elevating other religious groups. Do you know what that is? It's the spirit of the Antichrist that is alive and well. And it's the church and the Holy Spirit that is restraining that from taking over. But listen, the church is going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And just as soon as the church in the flash, in the blink of an eye, Just as soon as the church is lifted out of this world, that restraining spirit will be gone. And you will see things that you never dreamed were possible. It'll all happen in a flash. It won't take a long time. You know, in the 30s and and 40s, I used to 
Uh, I used to read my, my great-grandfather's diary that he wrote in his Bible that he gave to me. I've talked to you all about that, Paul Down's Bible. And he would write. I would, I would see in the book of Revelations, in the margins, he would have little notes to himself. And it would say things like this. I believe that Jesus is coming back very soon, but I do not understand how in the world, how in the world one man could take over this world. You know why? Because he lived in an age where that would have been extremely difficult. But we live in an age where it wouldn't take a whole lot. It really wouldn't. It wouldn't take a whole lot. A couple bombs fall, a couple, a little famine uh, there's a lot of things that could happen, and I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to sound like I'm not here trying to get you to buy prepper material or something like that. That's not my goal today. I'm not trying to scare you into a doomsday scenario. I'm just trying to tell you that it wouldn't take a lot in the world that we live in. We live in a world, by the way, where even national politicians are setting up a global economy, setting up a global, sometimes what they call a global footprint where we're all tied in together. Listen, it'll be very easy for everything to merge together if the conditions are right. It really would not be difficult. It's an undeniable sign of the end time. Now, let me take you to the second slide or the second point in our 10 undeniable signs that Jesus is coming back soon. And that is found in Matthew 24 and 7. Jesus continued here speaking of the end times. And he said, there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse, or I might would say in various places. And I, I thought about, I had put together a little collection of, of, of uh, earthquakes and tsunamis and things of that nature, and I thought, you know what, I could read a list of this off and they'll yawn their way through it. And, but just take my word for it, we're living in, in a time where we see uh, earthquakes and we see tsunamis and, and we see things of that nature that are happening in strange and unusual places. I talked about this a few years ago, but uh, Chicago had never had a major earthquake until about six years ago. And, uh, and they had a tremor that came through that was very strong. They could feel it. And scientists had said, Chicago, they can't have an earthquake. That particular area is not on a fault line. And they had a horrible tremor that really could have been much worse than it was. And it stunned scientists. And now they've been looking at it very closely because they're saying, listen, it could just be any time. We don't understand. But Chicago could have a San Francisco-type earthquake, and we never dreamed this was possible. What are we seeing? Signs of the end times, earthquakes in various and diverse places. We're going to see famines and pestilences. And, of course, in America, we don't experience that as, as much as other parts of the world do. But uh, if you study anything at all, you understand that and many, many parts of the world, they're not blessed the way we are here in the United States of America. There are places around the world that struggle just to have clean drinking water. And so we see that as a sign of the end times. Now, let me take you to the third point. And I think, to me, this is one of the most powerful signs that we're living right at the edge of the church being raptured out of this world. And that is the nation of Israel itself. Just the fact that the nation of Israel exists at all is a tremendous fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Uh, just the fact that it's there. Uh, I challenge you if, you, if you've never done it, you ought to get a hold of a world map or a world atlas of some kind 
and, and just look at the tiny little speck of the nation of Israel. And then look at all of the gigantic nations that circle all around it. And you'll notice immediately that they're all Muslim nations and they hate Israel. Every single one of them would love nothing more than to see Israel completely wiped off the planet. And when I say, and I'm not saying that as hyperbole. I mean that literally. They would literally like to drop bombs, nuclear bombs on Israel. They talk, you say, that's crazy. They talk about it openly. They brag about it. They plan about it openly. Uh, Their clerics preach about it on the city streets. And we're not just talking uh, people who are just kind of off in the fringe of culture. We're talking about radical Muslim clerics who are sanctioned by their governments, who preach to the masses, whether it's through television or the Internet or live on the streets. You know what they do in many Muslim countries. uh, (laughs) They would they'd run us Christians out of uh, out of Georgia if we tried to do something like this. But. They'll crowd the, the townspeople out into the, into the streets. They'll crowd them real tight. They'll get them out into the square. Anybody ever seen a picture of this or seen a video clip of this? They do the, this all the time. They, they crowd them out into the streets, and then they have uh, speaker systems that go all down the street. It goes all through the city, and they'll preach to their town, the entire town. In one setting. And you know what? Many, many, many times their message is death to America and death to Israel. And they openly brag about dropping bombs. That's why it's so frightening the idea that Iran might would get a hold of a nuclear bomb because they would love nothing more than to drop that right on Israel and put an end to it. Now, we know we know that Israel's going to be okay. Why? Because the Bible tells us that they're going to be okay. Ezekiel 37 and 21, of course, we know that Israel uh, ceased to be a nation for uh, a very, very long time, and uh, they were miraculously able to come back and and take their country back and reestablish themselves as a state or as a nation, and uh, it was shocking to the world, but it was not shocking to Christians. Christians knew this was going to happen because of biblical prophecy. Let's look at Ezekiel 37 and 21, and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Everyone said their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations. Neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. So the idea that nation would come together, that Israel would come together as one nation uh, was a biblical prophecy. The idea that they would be gathered from among the heathen where they were scattered, reestablished themselves as a nation was a biblical prophecy. And I believe it's one of the greatest signs that Jesus is coming back very, 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 very soon. The fact that they've been able to survive all of this time is a tremendous sign of God's hand of protection upon them. Now, let me take you to number four, and I've got to move quickly here. Number four of our 10 undeniable signs that Jesus is coming back soon is the idea of a one world government. We referenced this a moment ago. Let me take you to Revelations 13 and 7. And it was given unto him the Antichrist to make war with the saints 
and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Daniel 2 and 39, and after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. Everyone said all the earth. And so we know that there's going to be an establishment of a one world government who is uh, ruled by what the Bible refers to as the Antichrist. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, it, we are increasingly a one world uh, system. Our currency is moving that direction. Our technology is moving that direction. The Internet is moving that dir- direction. Our communications abilities are moving that direction. Uh, and I'm kind of a, a, a little bit of a, a tech nerd. And so I'm tempted to just talk about that for a long time, but I'll just leave it there. Technology is the driving force that is moving us towards a one-world system. Technology is moving us to the place to where we won't be able to function the way that we want to function until we combine it all together. They've been talking for two decades now because of the problems we have with banking and industry and commerce and the problems that we have with businesses trying to work fluidly together. It's, if you study politics at all, even right now, Uh, Much of politics rises and falls on trade. It rises and falls on nations being able to work together through their trade and through their commerce. And I mean, right now, the United States owes trillions of dollars to other nations, especially China. And so our banking industry is all tied together. Uh, Our corporations, if you buy a car here in the United States, much of that money probably runs through Ireland, uh, Switzerland the Cayman Islands, or even Japan, or even China, perhaps even Russia. Why? Because we're an increasingly connected world. All of it is coming together. And the trajectory of our world and our governments are all moving towards a one-world order. That sounds crazy. No, 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 no. You just listen to politicians. You just read. You just really. And I'm not talking about crazy conspiracy theories. I'm talking about mainstream people who are letting it be known. We are moving towards a one-world economic and technological system. That's where we're going. Because eventually, we won't be able to function the way we're functioning right now while we're all just kind of doing it our own way. And by the way, one of the things they'll say is we cannot get terrorism under control unless we're all under the same authority. And that's, by the way, that's one of the ways that that the Antichrist will take control. He'll do it in the name of keeping you safe. In the na- of course, not you, because you won't be here. But he'll do it in the name of keeping everyone safe, keeping everyone happy. I'm going to sure make sure they're able to have enough food to eat. I'm going to make sure they can have a job. I'm going to make sure that, that, they're not, that they're not killed by a terrorist while they go to church. He'll do it all in the name of safety, but that won't be his real motive. His real motive will be to take absolute control over the world and then impose his will, and it'll be nefarious, but it will be hidden at first, and then it'll be made known as time goes on. And so the idea of a one-world government is something that the church and Christians have always believed because the Bible told us that it was true. Isn't it amazing how the Bible always, always proves itself to be true? 
You know, listen, there might be things in the Bible that seem strange or, or impossible to you. It might even seem a little crazy or absurd. Listen, if you will trust the Bible and you will hold on to God's unchanging word, it will always prove itself to be true in the end. If you have to tr- uh, choose between man-made science and the word of God, choose the word of God every time. Because God's word is unchanging. It is forever settled. Science changes every day. They have to update the textbooks every year and take out the old theory and put in a new theory and change this out and put this new concept in. Why? Because it's man-made and it's changing all the time. It's fallible. But God's word is infallible. It is perfect. And you can hold to it for everything. And so the the. You know, the old time Christians, they used to try to think about how would a one world government system ever happen? And they believed it because they knew the Bible said it, but it seemed impossible. How could it happen? And then they looked at America and they said, you know, America will never allow this to happen to themselves. But now we see that a one world government is not that far fetched any longer. In fact, it's really an inevitability at this point in time. It's not a matter of if it will happen. It's a matter of when and how exactly it will happen. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't like to get into the speculation game too much because I realize that uh, there are many things. In fact, the majority of the Bible is doctrinal and we can preach it without hesitation and know exactly what it's telling us. There are some things that we just need to trust. God knows the timing. God knows the day. God knows the hour. God knows how it's going to happen. We're not, listen, we're not called to be able to give a detailed accounting of exactly how it's going to happen and exactly, that's why I don't like guessing who the Antichrist is. I don't play those games. I don't like playing those games. I don't think we can do it. I don't think we should do it. All we need to know is there's going to be an Antichrist. The spirit is already at work in this world and we need to be saving as many people as we possibly can and keeping ourselves ready for the day. Keeping ourselves for that great day of the Lord. And we don't know the day. If someone tells you they know the day, you just turn your back and walk away. Because they don't. They don't know. They start playing those games and then they ask you for an offering so they can get. No, no, no. You get away from that person. That's a false prophet. That's a shyster. Get away from that person. No, no. We don't know the day or the hour. But we are living with discernment. And we know it's coming. And we know that we need to be ready. And we know the word of God is true. Let me give you this last, last sign that I'm going to be able to get to this morning. Wow, did I take a long time on that or what? I had 10 of these and I was going to try to get through all 10 of them. Let me take you to number five. Technology. Everyone said technology. And the mark or what we often call the mark of the beast. Let me read Revelation 13 and 16. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond. To receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Everyone said six, six, six. That will be the number of the mark of the beast and some by some mechanism he'll place it in the right hand or in the forehead many of you know this i'm not saying anything that perhaps you haven't read about but did you know this technology 
is already happening all around us right now. There are people walking around with chips in their hands and in their foreheads right now. And they go to places and they, in fact, I was in a bank and I saw this happen because the banking industry is experimenting with it right now. And uh, in fact, I have several family members, including Brother Nathan, who work in the banking industry. And, uh, and they, they're experimenting with the idea. So they'll come into the bank and rather than swipe a card that could be lost or stolen or rather than write out a check that could be lost or stolen, they place their hand over underneath a scanner and they scan it. It has all of their banking information. It has their name. It has their date of birth, their social security number, everything that's relevant and pertinent to their identity and to their lifestyle. All of that is on a chip in their hand, and that's the direction. They even want to place them in children. They already do it in animals so that if you lose your animal, you can track them. And they already want to do it to children. Why? Because if you do it to your child, it can have a GPS device in it. And if your child went missing, think of that as parents. Even me, knowing the Scripture, there's a part of me because I love my children who thinks, what a great idea. I could, have a, I could have a tracking mechanism in my child. And if they were snatched away in the mall, we could, we could just tap into that GPS and know exactly where they are. How convenient. What a safety mechanism. Isn't it amazing how evil and dangerous things are often packaged as helpful, kind, uplifting that's exactly what the mark of the beast will be. It'll be something that people clamor to have, not something necessarily. Now, there will be backslidden Christians who miss the rapture. And I pray, and I'm saying this sincerely, not to be scary. I pray every day that no one who's connected with this church will miss the rapture. Because you'll have heard this kind of teaching, and you'll know exactly what's going on. And so you will be the people who say, you're not putting that in my hand. But there's going to be millions of people who don't know anything about the word of God, and they're going to be begging for it. Why? Because it'll make it easier for them. They can have money transferred from a one-world government, food stamps transferred from a one-world government right into a chip in their hand or their forehead, and they won't be able to buy or sell anything without it. People will be begging for it. But then there will be people who will say, no, I know that I missed it. I know that I missed it, but I am not taking the mark of the beast because I'm going to do whatever I have to take, whatever it takes, whatever I have to do. I'm staying away from all of that. Stand with me. Let's pray. Ten undeniable signs. I got through five of them. Uh, I didn't move very quickly, but uh, I don't know about you, but I feel a, a strong burden to reach the lost in these last days. Could you help me pray? Could we pray for those that aren't ready? Could we do that? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray, oh God, that we would have a heart that loves people, that would reach out to this world, that we would not be deceived by the spirit of the age, God. I pray that neither would we be fearful or afraid. We have nothing to be afraid of, Lord. We rest in you. We trust in you. We put our faith in you. We give you praise and glory. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.